All right. Good evening. This is episode number 33 of Sports Cards Live. And uh, I have to apologize for being away on Wednesday, was driving home from vacation. And so took the day off, which was nice little bit of a break. Didn't really have much planned for tonight. So uh, as many of you guys did contribute some ideas, I really appreciate that. Got a few things to discuss today and go over. So um, I'm going to just uh, go ahead and do what I usually do. You know, the last couple of episodes were awesome. I had a great time in uh, Kelowna at Player's Choice with Jason and Katie um, on Saturday night. Uh, the first live on location episode ever of Sports Cards Live. It was a lot of fun. It was different having us all in the same uh, in the same on the same camera together, but it was it was a lot of fun. And then, of course, uh, Dr. James Beckett um, on last Wednesday was was also the Wednesday before was awesome to have that guy on my show. I got to tell you, I mean, someone that you've kind of known about. He's been iconic for so long. So so that was awesome. Um, upcoming shows, guys, lots planned, lots that you don't know about yet. So I'm going to announce it right now uh, to the people watching. Uh I'll get to that in a second, but we have a few people. Paul, Paul, man, thank you. The meme that you uh, that you did, this guy here, um, I love it, man. Thank you so much for for doing that. That uh, that made me feel good. That was nice that, that you cared. So thank you for that. I thought that was hilarious and awesome. So thank you for that, Paul. Joe, welcome, welcome. Steve, hello. Sam, what's happening, buddy? Glad to see you. My vacation was somewhat relaxing. My kids are. I call them gangsters, so <laughs> could have been more relaxing, that's for sure. Al, how are you tonight? Flames-Jets game starts at 8.30. That's in half an hour for us, so I'm going to do the show and then watch the last hour of uh, of that game afterwards. Yam, thank you so much. Mike, good evening. Paul, yep, thanks again. Josh, welcome to the show, guys. What does Steve say? Yes, Dr. Beckett. Yeah, I, I know he was on uh, the, the, uh, the virtual show tonight with uh, sports card investor i didn't watch it but um I'm, i'll maybe i'll catch out later uh dr becca was awesome to to have join and eric uh yeah thank you so much appreciate that eric so upcoming guests guys so you all know what's going on with uh beckett grading services uh jeremy murray the vp put out a letter to the hobby basically two days ago explaining the delays and any price changes he has agreed to join us uh, Wednesday, this coming Wednesday, August 5th, Jeremy Murray, VP of Grading and Authentication for Beckett Grading Services, Beckett Authentication, will be my guest. So that's pretty exciting. Then on August the 8th, Brian Gray from Leaf Trading Cards. Brian Gray is going to make a repeat appearance, and we're going to do sort of an update on the state of the hobby. Had a great episode with him. I believe it was episode 7, probably back in early May. So having Brian Gray back, that will be awesome on August 8th. Then August 12th, as I've mentioned before, the gentleman who purchased the Sidney Crosby uh, 2005 Cup Rookie Patch Auto BGS 10 for $125,000 will be joining. That should be fun. And then August 15th is Greg Cohn, who is like a product manager for Leaf Trading Cards, followed by August 19th, Ken Golden of Golden Auctions, who popped into the episode we did when we talked about the LeBron James RPA that sold for $1.845 million. Ken Golden of Golden Auctions will be joining on August the 19th. And three days after that, his another big auction ends with that Mike Trout Superfractor. So we'll have some fun uh, that night talking about the auctions that are ending three days away at that time. August 22nd, Tony Siriani is a product manager at Upper Deck. He'll be joining. August 26th, Rich Klein, an industry veteran of many years, a, a writer. He'll be joining with lots of insights and experience. 
And then I'm going to keep going, guys. September 2nd, we've got a couple guys coming. Uh, brothers, Adam and Justin Urschel. These guys are super collectors of Upper Deck the Cup monumental patches. Uh, they've got like a horde of them. You won't believe it. So we're going to showcase those guys and just talk about uh, collecting with family. It should be a really interesting and fun episode. And then September 9th, I'm going to keep going. Stephen LaRoche, former uh, Beckett hockey editor, former employee of In the Game. He's written card backs for Upper Deck and In the Game, of course. And now he's freelancing. So he'll be joining for some insights on, you know, being an, an editor of Beckett and working for card companies. And uh, then what else do we have? Okay, that's it. That's as far out as we are booked. Actually, one more, September the 16th. Joining me will be fellow YouTube content creator uh, and channel guy, uh, Dustin, the personal finance dad, one of my favorite YouTube channels. He's going to be joining me on September the 16th. So tough to say what we're going to be thinking about since it's so far out at this point, but we will get to that then and we'll see what uh, what we're going to get to. Uh, name, welcome to the audience. You'll be ready to go. You're yeah, Name will be joining us here tonight, guys, in about an hour's time. Uh, I'm going to do a few things first and then Name's going to join us. <laughs> Gangster, yeah, Sam, I gangster i mean my you know you know how yeah, my kids are one and three and uh they get what they want no matter what like gangsters i figure so anyway that's why i called them the gangsters yeah it's a junk you got one and a half year old twins that is crazy that is crazy scott welcome welcome legion italia hey man welcome to the show yeah eric uh lots of great guests coming up i'll run through one more time very quickly jeremy jeremy murray from beckett grading brian gray from leaf the buyer of the bgs 10 sydney cup sydney crosby cup rpa for one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars Greg Cohn from Leaf, Ken Golden from Golden Auctions, Tony Siriani from Upper Deck, Rich Klein, Justin and Adam Urschel, Stephen LaRoche, former Beckett hockey editor and in the game uh, cards employee. And then uh, the personal finance dad, Dustin, will be joining as well. That's right into September, guys. So lots of shows planned. This isn't slowing down yet. Um, maybe sometime in, in October, we'll slow it down a little bit, but we will see. Okay, um, I want to welcome all new viewers, like I like to do. If anyone, if you're new to the show, thank you for viewing. Uh, please subscribe to the YouTube channel at about a, at about 825 subscribers. Would love to get to a thousand by the end of the month. That would be cool. Thanks again to to Paul Cashman for the. I got to show it one more time for the meme that he did. I thought that was pretty awesome. That feeling when you realize for the first time since you started tuning in in May, there won't be a sports cards live this Wednesday. I mean, we've seen this meme before, but pretty cool to see it uh, with sports cards live reference. So, Paul, thanks again for doing that. Um, what else do we got here? Uh, oh, I want to mention, this is important, guys. So you, some of you guys may have seen, I'm not sure, but uh, Chris Carlin from Upper Deck uh, posted today on uh, on Facebook that his brother is uh, fighting ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. And it seems like it's taken a, a, a turn for the worse lately. He needs more care than he's had before uh, or that, that he's, you know, that, that they have just with family. So, um, you know, Chris is somebody who has helped out many people. That's Chris right there as a youngster. Uh, he's helped out many shop owners and collectors along the way with the Upper Deck Random, Act, Random Acts of Kindness, among other initiatives that they've done. So I just want to point this out, uh, you know, not not asking anyone to really to donate. I, I don't like to do that. But if it's something you'd consider, of course, I want to at least bring it to your attention as Chris is uh, certainly a stalwart of this hobby and someone that, um, you know, that we want to uh, to support while, while him and his family are going through this time with uh, with his his brother, um, his brother, John. So, OK. Um, hey, guy. And the other thing, like hockey and basketball are back. Like I watched hockey all day and basketball. That was a lot of fun. I will say Zion Williamson and the. New Orleans team did not look very good. Uh, Kawhi and the Clippers like pummeled them. And uh, 
I mean, I'm, I'm neither here nor there on that, but uh, it's kind of what you expect, I suppose, when you got veterans going against a rookie team. So that was kind of uh, kind of fun to watch. And then, you know, watch some hockey this afternoon. Um, that was cool, watching Chicago beat Edmonton like 6-4 to four or something like that. I'm way ahead of my DraftKings for the day with a couple games left. And, uh, hey, hockey's back, basketball's back. I mean, this is awesome. Hopefully the hobby keeps on going as strong as it has been. Um, I think it will. I think it will. So, okay, we're going to jump into some topics now that were suggested from uh, people in the Facebook group. So I do appreciate that from everybody. And, of course, taking questions throughout. So I'll keep my eyes on those. Just want to see what I've missed here so far from you guys. Uh, Yeah, Joe, Dustin, I guess you watch Dustin too, right? He's one of my favorite YouTube channels, The Personal Finance Dad. He goes by the name The Personal Finance Dad, but it's really about cards and collectibles. Um, Really a great channel and just nice, short, easily uh, viewable uh, episodes to watch. So check those out. Um, Steve says, Jeremy, you need to reach out and interview Eric of those back pages. Okay. So, um, send me a message somewhere, Steve, and let me know how to get a hold of Eric. I'd appreciate that. Sam, yes, the meme, the meme was awesome. And, uh, and whoever says, Hey, Jared, love the meme. Um, if you can go to Facebook or sorry, if you can go to streamyard.com slash Facebook and click on that big blue button, I will put it right here on the ticker, right? there streamyard.com slash facebook click that big blue button you only have to do it once and that way i'll know who you are or at least i can see your name and i can easily uh, interact with you much better that will be fun okay now we'll put the upcoming episodes on the ticker and uh let's get into some comments so scott Barr posted in the facebook group he wanted a bit of a summary uh kind of an explanation i guess about grading sports card grading so One thing I want to make clear, guys, is that I don't look at this channel and these episodes as kind of like, um, you know, beginner type level stuff. I um, I'm happy to help where I can, but I don't want to get into how to videos. It's just not really my style, what, what I'm interested in doing. But Scott asked and I'm happy to give my sort of thoughts. I don't know if Scott, if you're in the room, if you could make a comment, and let me know. That'd be great. If not, I'm just going to kind of whip through some thoughts that I have on sports card grading. Um, and I'll just j- dive right in. So, you know, one of the things that you see a lot on uh, social media is people saying the grading is a scam and it's inconsistent and they're doing all sorts of things that, uh, you know, to benefit themselves, that type of that type of stuff. Um, I don't believe that. I don't think grading is a scam. I think it was born out of necessity when, you know, when the world, uh, you know, when the internet came into our world and eBay, especially, and people started buying cards sight unseen from across the world or even on the other side of a city, wherever it was, um, you know, grading gave the buyer uh, the opportunity to at least have some sort of um, comfort level in the condition of the card they were going to buy. That's really what, what spawned card grading. It wasn't there to start a scam. And a lot of people say that, and it always kind of bothers me a little bit because I, I I know people at the grading companies, I they don't, they're not scammers. Uh, inconsistency. Yes, grading is inconsistent because it is human. And a lot of people want there to be um, on some sort of level, level of automation or computer uh, grading. And while that would be cool, I don't think it's ever going to happen. I just don't think that technology will get there. Yes, we've put a man on the moon. I think that's different, though. I don't know. I, I just don't think that, uh, that that's going to be something that um, is ever going to happen. So we have to live with that, those inconsistencies, and we have to at least understand them and understand that they exist. And where that takes me to in my thought is that you know, and I say it all the time, 
Um, and I'll just use a PSA seven as a discussion topic. So a PSA, not all sevens, not all PSA sevens are the same. You know, there there aren't only ten or say twenty different levels of cards con condition wise. I.e., a PSA one, a one point five, a two, a two point five. Whether it's BGS, SGC, PSA, whichever company, there aren't just those ten or you know or twenty different points. There's an infinite amount of conditions that that a card can be in. So. You have to understand that within a PSA 7 or a PSA 8 or a BGS 9 or a BGS 9.5, there's going to be strong BGS 9s, you know, average BGS 9s and weak BGS 9s. And there's going to be strong BGS 8.5s, medium BGS 8.5s and, and weak BGS 8.5s and so on and so forth, so forth down all the way. So that's why you often see when we see these online consignment companies that are doing their monthly auctions and their cards command more money than other auctioneers do at times. I mean, there's, there's a lot of moving parts there, but one of the things that does exist is the fact that certain cards are strong for the grade and certain savvy collectors and investors will spend more money to buy a card that is strong for the grade. And I'm going to show you one of those that I purchased uh, a little bit later when I show you my, my basketball card collection. So that's really, an, that's really important. I'm going to say it again. You know, not all PSA 7s are the same. Not all BGS 9s are the same. There are many different conditions they can be in. So just because you see someone say, well, I can get a PSA 7 over there for $3,000. Why do you want $3,500? Well, I want $3,500 for my PSA 7 because it's a lot nicer than that one over there for $3,000. Never mind. I want $4,000 for it, you know? And we have to get used to that in the hobby because I think as time goes by and people are looking for ways to separate themselves and get an edge like I've done, you want to acquire cards that are strong for the grade. Now, that's all I'll say about that uh, in terms of my thoughts on the grading um, industry or the grading segment of the industry as, as a whole. Um, I'm gonna see if we have any questions on this so far. Rome says, if you have a chance to interview Dana Mayer, he has built some amazing sets and is a fixture on the set registry. Okay, Rome, thank you for that. I'm gonna try and remember to uh, reach out to Dana Mayer. Sounds very interesting. Scott, you are here. Cool, man. Okay, I'm glad you tuned in. I did. I did talk about it, and I'm going to talk a little bit about um, about the submitting and all that, and my experience with that. Which, trust me, isn't going to be that great of a of a of content. But I'm going to tell you what I've done anyway. I'll do that right now. So, I've sub I've done grading submissions regularly. Not regularly. I would say you know two or three times a year since about 2008. Since the first time I went, uh, I went and did a submission at the national. The thing about me when I do grading, I want to. I don't want to ship my cards and it's not because I don't trust it. It's just, it adds too much time to the process. And um, I like just handing my cards to the grading companies. So what I do is I accumulate my cards all year long from August until next August, when I go to the national and I take my cards and I have them ready to go, ready to submit to some to PSA, some to BGS, just depends who I want to grade, which cards. And I, I submit them in person. I take them with my paperwork already filled out. That way you don't have to wait in the, the lines, which can take three or four hours at these shows. The other thing I do is I submit cards to Beckett at the Toronto Expo, and I'll also submit them to Beckett and or PSA if they are at the Edmonton Summit Show. So I do my gradings once a year or twice a year, depends how many shows have grading uh, companies set up, and I submit them in person, and then I just wait very patiently for them to send me my cards back. And I'm willing to wait because most of the time what I'm submitting is for my personal collection. The the um, the submission I did in last August at the National in Chicago, 
I received back, I think it was in late January, early February. So it was, it, I did a, like a 180 day service and it took well over, I think 200 days to get to me. And, um, a lot of people get bent out of shape. I, I was, I was content to wait. I didn't care. I'm not going to, uh, not going to really, uh, worry about it. It is what it is. So again, if you're just tuning in now uh, and you know that Beckett Grading Services has recently done some price adjustments and uh, Jeremy Murray, the VP, has issued a letter to the hobby explaining what's going on, he will be on this show with me on Wednesday. Jeremy Murray will be on on August 5th with us. So we'll be able to kind of hear right from him. He's the boss at Beckett. He'll be able to tell us sort of what's going on there, where they're at in terms of backlog, uh, maybe some information on the price changes and uh, current uh, shipping times, that sort of stuff. So that should be an, a really interesting um, episode coming up. And I was actually really happy he was willing to come on. So that's awesome. But they're they're willing to be transparent. And I really appreciate that. Richard says it would be hard to have computerized grading unless there was a Gemmint digital copy to compare it to from the card company, as mentioned in one of your previous shows. Yeah, we had Karn Rye on the show. That was an early episode uh, in the first 10 episodes in late April, late April, early May. And he did a study on computerized grading and determined it really wasn't possible. I've seen some people say it is since then. I don't think it is. If it is, it'll have its own issues, let's face it. So I think we what we have is pretty good. And I, I mean, I'm not gonna, I don't, I don't, I don't know what the, what the actual percentage of accurate, accurately graded cards it, is between the major grading companies, but I have to think it's like at least 95% or higher. And then you've got some that are, and that's just me. A lot of people argue none are, have that or whatever you want to think. Andy, welcome, buddy. How are you? I have no audio at the moment, so I'll just be watching you open and close your mouth and also wave your <laughs> wave your hands around. Funny, Andy. Well, maybe you can watch it later. We'll chat, we'll chat later, buddy. Richard, I like the BGS grading breakdowns from previous so you can sort of tell which end of the spectrum said card is on. That's a good point. Beckett does have the subgrades in most cases, not all. And when you, if you add up those four subgrades, you'll see there's a range of total, um, total points out of a, a maximum of 40, which would be a black label. Um, you know, you can see if you have a strong bgs 9.5 or a weak one you know if you've got if you've got four 9.5 subgrades we've got what they call um a true gem mint card but if you've got three nine fives and a 10 you're better you're better than that you should be worth more than a card that's got four 9.5s but if you've got three 9.5s and a nine well now you should be you should sell for less in my opinion because the card has been deemed to be not quite as good as one that has four nine five so that is a way to actually really you know measure your card or a specific card against other ones. Dustin in the house. Dustin, good evening. I've already announced that you will be on on the show on September the 16th. And since it's already so far down the road, uh, as my calendar is filled up quite uh, quite quickly here, we don't even know what we're going to talk about that day, but we will get, uh, we'll come up with something, I'm sure. Patrick says, do you think guys that do large submissions get favorable grades? Unpopular answer to that question. I do not think so. I do not think so. I don't think that the grading companies are willing to, um, and it, I don't know if it even matters anymore, but I don't think they're willing to risk their reputation to make a couple of big customers happy. They have so much backlog. I don't think one big customer is really going to make a difference. I think there's enough small customers that the big ones don't matter. I, and I don't have any evidence of anything, um, but you know, perhaps in the early days under different leadership and different staff, who knows what happened? I mean, I'm not there. I don't know. I don't think so. I've seen all sorts of arguments for it. I've seen the whole Joe Clemens debate on, on blowout forums. 
I've even seen him respond to it. Um, I don't think so. And if it has happened, I don't think it's I don't think it's happening regularly. I don't think it's happening anymore. I think everyone got a little bit scared during the uh, the, the, the the trimming and uh, authentication crisis last year that uh, was broken on on uh, blowout cards. So I don't think that they're messing around. Um, I have I'm fully comfortable submitting my cards to grading companies now to PSA and or BGS and or SGC. Fully comfortable doing it. I have no qualms about it for my personal collection or cards that I'm selling, buying to sell. Scott says, I think visual appeal to you as a collector is most important. Sometimes the PSA four will look better to you than a six. Sometimes it is personal feel. Sometimes, as you said, it is a strong four. 100% correct. And uh, that's how, that's my position. I, I own, for example, I own a Gordie Howe rookie in a PSA four. And there's a, there's an SGC nine on eBay right now. Well, I wouldn't even trade straight up. I mean, maybe just for money, but for my personal collection, I would not trade straight up my PSA 4 for that SGC 9. And the reason is, is my PSA 4 is beautifully centered and it's got excellent, excellent print quality. And to me, on those 51 parkies, I care most about the print quality and the centering. After that, edges and corners. And I don't mind if my corners are a little bit rounded. I prefer them not to be, but I don't mind if they are. So I, and the SGC 9 that's on eBay, you guys can go look at it now. You can't even see Gordy Howe's face. It's it, the print. The print job is so weak on it that I don't even want that card. Never mind paying an SGC nine price point for it. So I wouldn't trade my PSA four for that SGC nine unless I had a guaranteed sale of that nine and then another beautiful four lined up to buy or mine to buy back. Sam says, couldn't have said a better grading is done by humans and differences between grades are expected. Yes, Brian, welcome to the show. Alex, welcome to the show. I caught a bit of your break earlier today. Hope you had fun. And he goes on to say, theoretically, no, if the correct system is in place, the grader doesn't know the submitter and their only job is to grade the item in front of them. And I, I do believe that's the case. I think maybe if you have a major, major card, you might have, you know, we, we have heard that uh, from uh, David Poole, senior grader at BGS, who I interviewed for the virtual expo in uh, June, he said that any BGS 10 uh, black label will get at least two sets of eyes on it and any major card will have more than one person look at it. Al says, I'm seeing again the SP rookie 181 cards listed for 100 to 150 on eBay. Does does grading really raise the price by that much? Yes, yes, it does, Al. And it's population, especially for a card like that, where a lot of people are collecting uh, on the PSA set registry and they want to have all the Hall of Famers. Well, that's Jerome McGinley's rookie card that you need if you're doing the Hall of Famer set registry on PSA. So there are a whole bunch of people that only want that again, the card, and they want it graded as high as it can be. So they're competing for those PSA 10s. And I mean, the PSA 10s, uh, 100 to 150 is cheap for that card. I, I'm surprised it's not about double that now, considering what we've seen lately. Steve says, buy the card, not the grade. Eric's famous saying, Eric is those back pages. I mean, Eric's right buy the card, not the grade. Now, sometimes people do buy the grade if they're competing on the PSA set registry. But if you are, try and buy the nicest card you can for the grade. What I do is, especially when I go to the national and I go with a few cards kind of targeted that I want, I say, okay. And I, I, I did this with my Hank Aaron. I wanted a Hank Aaron 54 tops. And I knew I wanted it in the PSA six because that was a price point that I could afford to put into that card. Well, I'm at the National walking around looking for all the PSA 6 Hank Aarons I can find. And I found several, but I found one that stood out apart from the rest. And it was priced higher than the other ones. It was fine by me because I wanted the nicest one I could find in a 6. It was in my within my price range. And, you know, I 
I didn't want to step up to a seven because autom- you're going to automatically step up in price to go to the seven. So I thought, you know what? I'll buy a really strong six. I guarantee you it's nicer than a lot of sevens out there. So I'm happy with that. Uh, Joe, I appreciate slabs as much for protection as anything. Living near the ocean, dampness is a real thing and sealed plastic helps. Yeah, that, I mean, that that, that pr- protecting our cards are a whole other discussion, but grading certainly helps with that. And I do agree with that. Alex says, I have some stuff to send to PSA, but with no expo, I can't justify mailing to them was hoping to submit them in person. Well, just wait, just wait till you can. That's what I'm doing. I'm literally waiting until probably next August until I go to the national again. And I'm going to, oh man, what a, what a lot of work it's going to be to prepare that paperwork ahead of time, but I'm going to do it. And I'm going to submit probably 500 cards for grading, but it is what it is. I mean, I'm willing to wait their personal collection. And I, and then it'll be so much fun to wait for them to come in. They'll come in. It'll be a humongous mail day. I'll do a three hour video for that. I'm sure. And Andy says, to add to this point, the number of cards shouldn't affect the grade given. Uh, I, I agree with that. If I understand it, the number of cards submitted shouldn't affect the grade given. Yes, of course. And yeah, Paul's basically saying to Al on the on the on the Jerome McGinley rookie, yeah, it, it can bump up the price that much if it's graded. Especially and lately, like I said, I think that I think that Al is low on what he's saying, 150. Although it might not be. I'm surprised the Jerome McGinley SP SP. Uh, it's just called SP 94. 4SP, I believe, or is it 95SP um, in a PSA 10 has always been around $200. It should be four with what else is going on. Uh, Eric says, what's my advice for submitting for someone who hasn't ever had cards graded before? I mean, look at your cards closely. Don't remove any fingerprints with a soft, you know, paper towel or something like that. Uh, Again, I don't want to be the guy giving you this information because I'm not an expert at submitting. I do what I do. Um, but I don't consider myself an expert at submitting. So my, but my my advice as someone who has done some submissions is get the cards graded that you want graded. Um, make sure that you don't you're not submitting anything that has an obvious flaw that's going to give you a grade that for the for the era or the vintage of the card is going to come in way low, and um, and be patient. Just be patient once you submit them. Uh, Steve says, Hey, Dustin, personal finance dad. Yes. Dustin, personal finance dad was watching the video a few minutes ago. If he's still here, wonderful Dustin. And he will be my guest on September the 16th. We just firmed that up today. So Dustin, thank you again for that. Looking forward to having you on. And again, guys, check out his uh, YouTube channel, the personal finance dad, like 175 different videos on, on collectibles, really interesting, nice, short videos, easy to consume. Unlike, uh, the ones that I do. Scott says, I've also started using the Canadian MNT for protection of some cards. They have some work to do, but turnaround time is amazing. MNT is a Canadian company, so is KSA. Um, you know, the uh, I'm not going to say there's anything wrong with either of these companies. Uh, the only the, the challenge they have is that they don't have market share, uh, brand awareness, and the collecting hobby in general at this point does not value their slabs. So if they can overcome that and become legitimate competitors, I think MNT has a better chance at that then, you know, our tunes will change, I'm sure. Paul says, if you're thinking, if you're doing large submissions, you probably have an eye for what is a 10, 9, 5, et cetera, and would weed out the sixes and sevens before spending money. Yeah, you don't want to grade something that isn't worth grading. That's very, uh, very simple sort of standard stuff there. Carlos, welcome to the show. He says, there's a sweet spot for key cards in lower decent grades with excellent eye appeal. For a collector, the technical grade doesn't trump eye appeal. 100%. The technical grade does not trump eye appeal. Like I said a few minutes ago, I wouldn't trade my PSA 4 Gordy Howe for the SGC 9 that's up on eBay right now. I just wouldn't do it. It's not a nice card, the one on eBay. You can't even see his face or his or his um, 
I believe it's his 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 uh, hockey pants. You can't even see the detail there. It's it's an interesting print job that I just don't think is has eye appeal at all. Mike says during the financial collapse of 2008, we learned that many of the rating companies did give favorable reports for fear of losing business. Hopefully, grading companies are more reputable. Fair enough. I mean, we learned. So saying we learned that. That's a, I don't know. I don't, I haven't seen that evidence. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. Um, I don't want to get into that, but um, I'm, I'm still willing to have faith in the grading companies that what they're doing today is above board is, you know, has integrity and they're doing their best to serve the hobby. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. So be it. The personal finance Dustin says, which BGS upgrades are you okasing a nine on assuming you're buying a 9.5? Great question. So for me, now it depends. If we're talking vintage, I'm most okasing a nine on corners and edges. To me, on vintage cards, surface, i.e., the print quality, and centering are, are far and away more important to me than corners and and uh, and edges. On a modern day card, I don't want my I want my corners perfect on a modern day card. I want my I think edges would be the one for a modern card. So I'm very particular on surface and in all cards. I want my cards to not have scratches through them. I want the the uh, registration, and that's you know for cards that are or that are printed with ink, which most are. I'm not 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 acetate stuff, but where I want the the different plates to all come down together uh, and be lined up perfectly. I don't want any sort of tilt. The Wayne Gretzky rookie card, the Opeachy, people often refer to the the oil drop being centered. Well, that's a registration issue. That's a surface issue, in my opinion, and uh, that's a card where surface seems to trump a lot of things for most collectors. They want that oil drop centered. To me, I consider that a registration issue or a surface issue. So I want, I'm very particular about surface and then centering, although on some modern cards where you can't even tell where the centering should be, it's less concerning. So that's what I would say to that, uh, Dustin. Hope that answered your question. Jay goes talks says, how does that card get a nine then? I mean, I'm not going to get into the details of this. Uh, the web, Their websites have all the information on how the final grade is uh, is arrived at. Steve says, because I'm Carlos well said brother. Yes, it was. And again, the PSA 10s go for $250 now. Ask Andy, I bought one off him. So yeah, that was like $180 to $200, um, you know, but a year ago or so. And now it's uh, going for $250. I'm surprised it's not low, actually. Anonymous Facebook user says, hi, Jeremy. Well, hello, but do me a favor. I'm putting it on the ticker right now. Go to StreamYard.com slash Facebook. Click that blue button. You only have to do it once, the big blue button. And that will let me know. That will let StreamYard recognize your name from Facebook. And uh, then I can interact with you a little bit easier. Okay, I think that's good for grading. Let's move on. So Corey uh, Donovan, uh, if you're in the room, let me know. That'd be great. Corey Donovan wanted to to touch on some of these vintage basketball auctions that recently completed. Actually, they completed uh, yesterday at Heritage Auctions. It's Mitch, Jeremy. Hi, Mitch. Mitch, great. Go to streamyard.com slash Facebook and click the big blue button, please. Thank you. Okay, so Corey wanted to talk about some of these uh, basketball cards that broke some records recently, and I've got them queued up and ready to kind of share on the screen. So let's take a look here at um, the first one. So I'm going to bring it on uh, this way. No, this way. There we go. So this is a 1957 Topps Bill Russell PSA 7 that sold for $38,400 just yesterday with the buyer's premium included at Heritage Auctions. Now, unfortunately, I didn't have time to go back and look and see what a PSA 7 was selling for like three or four months ago. Like 
you know, to, to really nail down that number. But I do know that um, because I own a PSA six in this card. And so I, and this is the card I was talking about before where I waited, I waited a long time to find the right PSA six for my collection because I wanted a nice one. And this card is notorious, notoriously off-centered. It notoriously in this, in this, in these black backgrounds, you'll see fish eyes. And it's also got registration issues. So I wanted a copy of this card that was had nice, solid black background, was well-centered for the grade in a six, and um, and didn't have any registration issues. And I ended up acquiring this copy here about a year ago. So I'm just going to show it on the camera here. I'll go back to this view here. So I picked up this copy of the card. It's hard to see with the light shining right in it, but this is a PSA 6. As you can see, it's really nicely centered. One of the prized cards in my collection as far as, you know, vintage Hall of Famers go. Um, and I just uh, I just love this card. I mean, he's a very important player. But as far as the auction that that just sort of ended, I mean, 38,400. I believe that, you know, about four months ago, a PSA 7 would have been around fifteen dollars to $18,000. And now it's doing 38,400. So I may be wrong on that. But um, but not far off, and you know it's really just amazing what's going on with these prices. And you know, some very uh, well-known people are chasing the uh, the vintage high-grade vintage basketball, and like Gary V included, he's very public about it. And why shouldn't he be? It's excellent, excellent stuff to to collect and to invest in right now. Uh, okay, let me bring that back on here. So the next card. That we're going to take a quick look at is the 69 tops uh, Lou Alcindor or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in a PSA 7 that just sold for $8,700. So I'll show you the copy I have of it because, oh, I have a 7 as well. I didn't realize. I thought I had a, never mind. I have a 7. So this is my copy here. And this one, I'm going to just uh, go back to this view here. So this is a 7. And again, it's something that I waited to find a nice 7. This isn't perfectly centered side to side but it's better centered than a lot of the uh, a lot of the sevens that are out there. And so I'm pretty happy with it. And I'm a little uh, extra happy right now because I didn't actually realize that it was, that it just sold for $8,700. Um, I thought it was worth around five or six. So that's a nice little surprise for the live during the show here. But again, it just goes to show that vintage, is, you know, while we're seeing some modern day card prices breaking records, we are also seeing vintage not lose a step in relation to uh, to modern. Okay, uh, just see what we got coming in here for it's Mitch. Hey, Yam, you're here. Awesome. Oh, good. Yam, that's you. Awesome. So here we go. We're doing what you asked for. Um, Brian says, how much longer on the trout auction? That the trout auction for the super fractor that ends on the on August the twenty second. So I announced earlier on the episode on August the 19th, Ken Golden of Golden Auctions will be joining me as my guest for this show. So be sure to check that out. We're going to be talking about all the big cards that he's got in that auction, including that trout. And we'll see what it's at on the, at that time. That should be pretty cool. Uh, Pat, amazing Bill Russell RC. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Yes, I, I love these cards that I have. Uh, certainly do. Okay, let's see what the next card is to look at on the Heritage Auction. Another one of those. We'll get rid of that. Okay. 1980 tops scoring leader of uh, Julius Irving and Larry Bird and Magic Johnson's rookie card. So if you don't know this card, this is there. This is Larry Bird and Magic Johnson's rookie card. It's a perforated three panel card came out in 1980. And because I'm showing my basketball collection tonight, I also collect unopened packs and I'm going to show you a pack of that because I have one. 
This is a 1980 Topps basketball pack. And you can even see here, let me just go back to full screen. You can even see, even on the even on the packaging, they had the like the graphic, they had the panel there, which I thought was really cool. And it's you can see there between the the yellow and the light blue guy that it's actually ripped apart. I I bought these as a kid. I've had this unopened pack for probably 15 years now. Well, maybe maybe 10, 10 to 15 years. And um, they're just awesome. And people always ask, oh, do you want to open it? No, I have no interest in opening this. To me, this is what I'm collecting, the, the unopened package. I don't, I mean, if there's a bird magic rookie in there, awesome. But if there's not, I'll probably never know. Maybe on my deathbed. So anyway, let's talk about the, uh, let's talk about this, uh, this, this card that sold in a PSA nine for $19,200, guys. This card in a nine, quite recently was worth about $5,000. I have a PSA eight that I've had for, for quite some time. And uh, this is my, this is my eight of, of the card. And you know, this card in an eight, um, I don't even know what this is worth right now, probably around three or $4,000. And not too long ago, this card was about $800. And by not too long ago, I mean within the last year. And it's just shot up in value, but as it should. What an important card. I mean, these guys changed the game in the early 80s. They brought respectability back to the NBA. And then you've got Julius Irving in the middle as well. So the fact that the, the high-grade PSA 9 sells for $19,200, um, it doesn't surprise me. I think it's deserved. And uh, I'm not really sure what else to, to say about that. I mean, it's uh, you know you've got certain people chasing after this uh the vintage basketball and these are as important as a card can get uh, you know as far as basketball goes or any sport i mean larry bird magic johnson very important players okay i want to point out this one too this is a box of 86 flair one single box sold for ninety thousand dollars i remember being at the national a couple years ago and these boxes were selling for 35 to forty thousand dollars and then they went up a bit and then they, they came down and now they're back up and $90,000 for one unopened box of cards that these guys couldn't even sell for five bucks in 1986. So that's pretty cool. Here's a Michael Jordan rookie of PSA 10 that sold for $75,000. Looks like a very nicely centered copy to me. And um, I mean, this card has sold as high as about, I think like $105,000 this year, but I think it's settled in nicely at $75,000 for a PSA 10. Now, a year ago, you could buy this card for $20,000, but considering what we've seen, 75 for the most important athlete of all time, I think it makes sense. And not that I'm out buying one or that I have one. I do have a copy of the card. Um, where did I put it here? Oh, it's in my, I'll come to it. Oh, I think it's on the back. I have one, I have a copy of this card. I So here we go. This is mine, guys. This is my PSA 9 that I purchased at the National in 2000. I bought this in 2008 at the National. And I'll tell you, I paid like $900 for it. And um, what a great buy that was. I'm glad I was going to the card shows back then. Anyway, I paid about nine, $900 or $1,000 for this at the National. I think partial it was partial trade. And now this card sells for like twelve dollars to $15,000. So um, no, no complaints by me. And it's a high pop card, but you know it's probably the most important card in the hobby uh, as far as, or I'd say the card that is in the most demand in the hobby. I don't know anybody who doesn't want one of those, even if you don't collect basketball at all. That's a card that you want. And if you don't want it, you should want it. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Okay, the next card I want to look at is the Kobe Bryant Refractor PSA 9, guys. This is a PSA 9. So this card, um, I mean, 
a P you could have bought a PSA 10 in this card for $5,000. I think about a year ago, don't quote me on that, but around maybe, maybe $8,000. Now the a PSA 10, I think, I think I wish I looked this up before, but I think one sold for like a hundred thousand dollars or something like that. And now a nine is going for 40, but this is the refractor version. You can buy his um, just regular tops Chrome card in a PSA 10 now for right around, I think it's right around ten dollars to $15,000, somewhere in there. And um, it's another card I do have a copy of. I'll just show you that one and tell you my story on it. So I bought this card here. This is my Topps Chrome Kobe PSA 10. I bought this card, I think, in 2016, and I believe I paid $530 or $570 for it. And now they go for like north of 12,000. Maybe maybe I'm high, maybe they're nine or 10,000, I forget. But no, I think one just sold for about 14 grand. So anyway, another card that's going huge. And you can see, just even looking at the, uh, at the, at the Heritage Auction here, a PSA nine goes for 41, just about 41,000, that's a nine. I mean, wow, wow. Turn back the clock one year, we can all be very rich. Okay, and then the last card we're gonna look at is a similar card, the LeBron James Topps Chrome PSA 10. Again, another card that I do happen to have a copy of. And this is another one that I bought at the right time. Um, oh, it's in my LeBron James pile here, which only is only three cards. So this is my copy. Again, it's a PSA 10. And uh, it's the PSA 10 that just like the one that just sold for $15,000. And I picked this card up, I think in 2016 or 17, something like that. And I'm into it for under $1,000. And now it's selling for 15 grand. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's mind blowing really. But uh, important cards, and I think they're they're worthy of the price with uh, with what we're seeing in the hobby right now in terms of how many people are coming in. You know, a lot of people are saying, "Is this a bubble? Is it going to burst?" Um, I don't think it's going to burst. I think we're going to see some fluctuation, but I think that the the foundation has been built up to support these prices and at least support uh, that any sort of retraction will be limited by this new foundation. So. Um, that's my, those are my thoughts on that. Uh, yeah, I'm hope that was sort of what you were looking for. Um, and I'm got to show a few, got a few showing a few of my personal cards, uh, kind of getting that out of the way. So let's see. Uh, thanks, Jeremy. Feels like a step change for vintage at the moment. Great cream Russell. Thank you very much. Thank you, Brian. Uh, Carlos says the price moves are definitely aggressive, but in relative terms, those vintage cards are still going up at a more stable rate than the rapid rise of modern right now. Uh, I just wanna read that again. Those vintage cards are going up at a more stable rate. So without, I, I think what, what Carlos is saying is without, with, with less, um, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, I can't think of it, volatility, with less volatility. And, and I, I do think so because, you know, I think there, a lot of these players are still playing. You don't know what's gonna happen. And uh, there, you know what's happening with these established hall of famers. Mike's has been shocked at the increase in a lot of cards for years. Obi's Young Gun, so Alexander Ovechkin's Young Gun was a solid $60 to $80 card, perhaps as late as five years ago. Now it's ranging from $300 to $700 for ungraded and nines. Yeah, and PSA 10s are are doing close to, uh, you know, close to $2,000 now. So 
that card has really jumped up as it should. I mean, he's an all-time great. He's a legend. So I think Alexander Ovechkin's card is is still undervalued. I think Sidney Crosby's cards are undervalued compared to Connor McDavid. So that's another story. Joe says centering on those bird magic rig cards is not easy. Very true, Joe. Good point. The other issue with with this card here, guys, you're often and this is what I look for. You're often going to see what they call like snowflakes. Especially in the magic car in the magic in the black background, you're gonna see a lot of like printing defects in there. And they don't give they don't necessarily get you a, a PD qualifier, a print defect qualifier by PSA, but they will lower the grade. And you may, if they're bad enough, get you the qualifier. So I like to I made sure I got a copy that didn't have any of that action going on because I want I'm very, very uh into surface and print quality on my cards, as I've already said. Mitchell, I can see your name now. Thank you so much for doing that. So deserved for the legends. Yes, agree. Uh, Dustin, don't see those every day for sale. No, you don't. Uh, card Currency says Unreal Cards. Thank you. Uh, if you're talking about mine, if you're talking about the ones on Heritage, those are Unreal too. That's for sure. Uh, Dustin says, wait, are we ripping 1980 Tops basketball tonight? No, we are not, Dustin. I don't ever plan to crack that 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 unopened pack. I also, I'll show you this one as well that I picked up quite quite a few years ago. This is a uh, 86 Fleer unopened pack and a PSA 8. And again, when I bought this card, this, this unopened pack, I bought it from Steve Hart of Baseball Card Exchange at the National, where I bought most of my unopened packs from. And uh, I'll tell you, I think I think one of these, may, uh, this is selling for well over $2,000 now, I believe. And I probably paid like under 300 bucks for this back when I bought it. I wish I bought the whole box, of course, but don't we all wish we could go back even a few, uh, even a couple of weeks at this point? Uh, Sam, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Alex says, is there a card you've wanted in the past, but you didn't find one that you liked and you've missed the boat on? Yeah, man, uh, Willie, uh, Willie Mays. Willie Mays is a card I really want. And uh, Ty Cobb is one too. The T206 Ty Cobb is a card that I should have bought in 2009, but I didn't. And now they've gone through the roof, of course. Um, but there's probably a few more. Card Currency, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Steve says, Jeremy Awesome Collection. Gary V had 150 of those LeBron James Chromes at $1,000 a piece. 150K now, 2 million mind-blowing. Yes, that is mind-blowing. Okay, what else were we going to talk about today? So I was going to show my my personal uh, basketball collection. So I want to do that because we're going to bring Name on. Name's going to come on in about uh, about a, in about just under half an hour, if we unless we need him sooner. So, oh, here we go. What's card thoughts on putting together unique sets? Um, uh, just let me know what you mean by unique sets and I will get to that. I don't know what you really mean by that. So I'm going to show you guys in the meantime, my basketball card collection. And I'm going to start with my, some rookie cards. So these are cards I've been collecting. I've been collecting rookie cards of important players pretty much my whole life. A lot of these have come in more recently, but, um, some of them I've had for a long time, like my Michael Jordan rookie. You know, I've had that card for 12 years. Uh, here, so I'm just, this isn't real, no, no real order, but players I feel are important. Cards I feel are worthy of any, you know, basketball card collection where you do like rookie cards that are, you know, the commodity type rookie cards, the commonly traded ones. So, you know, David Robinson, 89 hoops, the number 138. He also had another card where he was actually in action. I think he's taking uh, just about to take a free throw in that card. But this is the, the better of the two, the earlier card. And so that's in my collection. This is a crazy card. This is the Shaquille O'Neal Upper Deck Rookie in a PSA 10. This card sells for stupid money now, like three to $4,000. I, I got this for $50 or $60 in, at the Cleveland National in 2009. 
no, no shit. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I've never sworn on the show before. No joke. I literally bought this for 50 or 60 bucks and now it's worth like three or $4,000. I uh, got this off a buddy of mine, a Steve Nash, uh, Topps Chrome BGS 9.5. Nice Canadian kid. Here's a, this is a good card. This is a Paul Pierce uh, PSA 10 Topps Chrome Refractor. It's a card I considered moving because I'm not that into Paul Pierce. Um, nor do I think he's that, you know, as important. I think some people would, would say he is, but uh, still a very, I guess it's a somewhat important and valuable card as far as basketball goes. Uh, Topps Chrome, Russell Westbrook, another card that I'm not that into and would would move probably if I if I kind of got, you know, in, into, if I was willing to, I guess. Here's a great card, a 98 Topps Chrome, Dirk Nowitzki, uh, Refractor, PSA 9. So I mean, the PSA 10 is like, over well over ten thousand dollars i'm not sure what this is worth right now but a nice card and important a regular tops chrome tim duncan rookie here's another crazy story i think i bought this for 150 dollars last year and now they're doing a thousand bucks crazy same with this alan iverson tops chrome psa 10 same kind of thing probably paid hundred dollars 100 125 dollars for it now it's worth close to a thousand luca bought this off my buddy jamie at the national last year for 60 bucks you know, if it's a PSA 10, now they're doing like close to a thousand. Here's a great story. I bought this last year at the National, Kawhi Leonard, PSA 10, um, top uh, Panini Prism rookie. I paid $270 for this card. And now it does, the last one did like 4,000 bucks. It's crazy. One of my favorites, Pascal Siakam, PSA 10, uh, Panini Prism. Got this for like, I think I paid forty dollars. Bought this off of Carlos Diego at the National last year, and now I think it's worth about six fifty, seven hundred bucks. And then um, one of my favorite cards, and I, I won big on this one, guys. I bought this card in November, just in November, and you can see it on you can see it on like the PSA website, you know, whatever it is. But uh, in terms of the price, but this is the, the ninety eight Topps Chrome Vince Carter Refractor in a PSA ten. One of these just sold for a hair under ten thousand dollars. I bought this in November for like a hair over $1,000, from 1,000 to 10,000 in half a year. Crazy, but I can't say I'm, I'm unhappy about it. Here's another crazy card. So this card, here's an example of a card that has um, surface issues, printing issues. And so watch out for it, okay? And a very important card, 1972 tops, Julius Irving, Dr. J. So this is a PSA eight. Now I bought this card at the National, probably five years ago i think i paid six or seven hundred bucks for it and or maybe i paid 800 at the time most of them were doing like 600 bucks but i paid extra because it was such a nice copy very well centered and you often see right here on this card right in this area you're going to see a fish eye and a very noticeable one this card does not have the fish eye and that's what i was looking for the no fish eye version <laughs> if you will and now i just saw one with a fish eye just sold like couple nights ago for I think 4,000 bucks. And like I said, I picked this up for much less than this. And when I bought it, you know, I was like, oh, that might not have been a great buy. But in time, these things always come around. Here's one of my favorites, a very, very, very important card for a basketball collection. Um, there's, there's three cool cards from this set or three really important cards from the set. The other two being the Oscar Robertson and the Jerry West, neither of which I own, but I do own the Wilt Chamberlain. And this is a PSA 7.5. And I bought this probably, I'm guessing, three to four years ago. I paid very fair for it. You know, it was just a regular auction. And I'm not sure what it's worth now. 
but um, it's a card that I certainly love owning and uh, it's one of my favorites for sure. So, you know, between that, the Bill Russell, the Bird Magic Irving, the Irving rookie, um, those are my basketball uh, rookie cards. I do have another, this is an amazing card here I'll show. So this is a LeBron James. This is the 2003 Essential Credentials Now out of 102 in a BGS 9. And I bought this off a guy on Instagram who I've become Instagram friends with uh, back in, I think, January. And even since I bought it, this card is like quadrupled in price. It's uh, an amazing card. I love it. Love it. And I knew when I when I bought it that it, I felt it was undervalued for what it was. And I think I was right. So um, love it. And then this isn't a rookie card. This is just a card that I bought on a whim sort of thing. And I think it's, you know, I bought this probably last year sometime. It's a 2018 Panini Spectra Neon Pink LeBron James and a BGS 9.5. Thought it was a cool card. It's it's a thicker card, which I don't love, so I don't love it. I don't love it at all, to be honest. But it's uh, certainly got some value and a card that I am willing to move, uh, sort of in the right sort of right in the right deal, I guess you could say. All right, I'm going to show you guys my Shaquille O'Neal collection, which is there's only four cards. I've got a couple coming, including some monsters, but a PSA 10 hot numbers. I picked up. I also have the Michael Jordan from this set, also in a matching PSA 10 holder. So that's a great card. The uh, the Super Boss. You don't see these cards often. You see the regular Boss. You don't see the Super Boss too often. And Jordan has a card in this too. I actually used to have the Jordan. This is a PSA 8. Just a low pop all around. This is a good example of. Um, it's a really good example of you know owning the card and not being as concerned about the grade. Sometimes you know cards that are rare you want them you got to take them sometimes in any grade and the card two from now will kind of prove that but i had i used to have the jordan i used to have the michael jordan regular boss card i traded away at the last national to bring my cost down on um on the card that's coming after this one here's a psa 10 shaquille o'neal big man on court another i just think it's such a fun card uh the michael Jor jordan has a card in this there is a uh what's the uh i think there's is it this card that has a, a, a more valuable parallel? I'm not sure right now, but I think this is such a great card and um, I just love it. I love looking at it. It's just so vibrant. And uh, he's like, I love the way he's like jumping, like running out of the card. Super cool. Love that. And then here's the card that I traded away my Jordan boss card for. Well, the Jordan card, boss card got me maybe a couple hundred bucks in trade, but this is it. This is my, one of my best basketball cards, 1997 metal universe, precious metal gems, red, out of 100, Shaquille O'Neal in a PSA 6. I bought this cash with a little bit of trade at the National last year. And um, I mean, I, 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 at the time, I paid what I thought was high, like around, right around, I'll tell you, right around 4,000 bucks. A PSA 5 just sold. You can probably still see it on eBay like last month or the month before for a hair under $11,000 for a PSA 5. So, this is a six. I'm not saying the six is going to be worth a lot more than the five. Again, it's a it's the kind of card where you you buy it just to own it. And a lot of people will buy these cards even if they're just PSA authentics without a grade. They can be trimmed. They could have color touch-ups on them. People don't care. They just want the card. That was evidenced when Nat Turner bought the PMG green version of the Michael Jordan in a PSA authentic holder for $350,000. He wanted the card. I think that's kind of a... Uh, sort of an outlook that a lot of people are taking now, especially on the truly, truly rare pieces. So uh, an awesome card. I, I, I love it. I look at it all the time. Okay, I have one Ray Allen card because I love that movie. He was in the name of which escapes me right now. He got game or something like that. Uh, but I have a 96 Skybox uh, Z Pete's debut that I picked up just for fun. 
not, not a valuable card, but I said I'd show my basketball card collection. So there's that one. Now we get on to the MJs. I have a stack of Michael Jordans, guys, um, without not including his rookie. This is my Michael Jordan collection. There are some beasts in here. So uh, I'm just going to kind of run through them um, in no, well, sort of no particular order. So I'm going to go a little quickly in the interest of time. 97 Tops Generations Refractor Michael Jordan in a PSA 10. And I will I will let you guys know, I bought all of these cards. I'll let you know if I didn't, but almost all these Jordans are purchased in the last 18 months. And most of them, you know, over 12 months ago. So I got in at a good time. And at the time I got in, it was like late. You know, things were starting to take off. Uh, Nat had bought that that PMG Green for $350,000. Um, we had already been hearing from uh, Gary V in the hobby. Things were starting to take off. And, uh, but boy, am I glad I got in when I did. Anyway, got this guy here. The Topps Chrome Michael Jordan Season's Best Refractor in a PSA 10 holder. A really nice, pretty colorful card. Here's a 97 Metal Universe Titanium Michael Jordan in a PSA 10. Really cool acetate card with the, 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 the titanium print is really cool. Then these two cards, I, I picked these up in trade and had them graded myself. They're just base cards, but the 97 Skybox EX 2001 Michael Jordan came back at PSA 8. And the 2006 Fleer EX Jordan came back at PSA 9. I had those ones graded myself, as I said. Here's a 1998 Topps Round Ball Royalty Michael Jordan Refractor, PSA 10. Really cool card. And then this card I was going to move because I wasn't into dual player cards, but then Kobe Bryant passed away and I thought I'm going to keep the card. So it's a 98 Tops East-West Jordan Bryant refractor in a PSA 10. So it's got Jordan on that side and Kobe on the other. Really nice card. This one will blow some of you away, I think. This is a popular card. I, I, I don't love it as much as most people do. This one is nice and clean, no coloring. It's a 1998-99 EX Century Duncan Go Nuts Michael Jordan. This is a BGS 10 copy. And again, I know this card, I think I've done quite well on if I were to be able to find a current value on it or, or, or a more current comp. All right, 97 Tops Chrome, base refractor, Michael Jordan and PSA 10 with, uh, that's Rodman down there, over there. That's cool. The 97 Finest Embossed Michael Jordan refractor. This is numbered out of 263 on the back, which is kind of cool. Down at the bottom, middle there, 112 to 263. Here's the 97 Ultra Michael Jordan Ultra Abilities Superstar in a PSA, and a rare insert. You don't see this very often. Very high grade and a 10, obviously. Great card. Here's a 98 Skybox Premium Soul of the Game PSA 10. These cards are like quadrupled since I picked this one up. I love that card. Really neat. I And I just learned that this card was supposed to be die cut, but they kind of ran out of budget at the time, so they just didn't die cut it. Cool. would have been cooler if it was. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll do it myself. No, just kidding. Of course not. One of my favorites, the 98 Metal Universe, uh, Planet Metal, PSA 10. Really, really cool card. I love that. And this is, you never see this card. It's a 97-98 Hoops Frequent Flyer Club Upgrade in a BGS 9.5. Really neat card. Don't see much of it. This one you see more often, the Topps uh, Rockstars Refractor. 97 Rockstars Refractor of MJ. And then here's another one. There's a couple. There's been a couple of these up lately, but you don't see it very often. This is the Top Stadium Club Triumvirate Luminescent, the T1B in a PSA 10. Really neat card with a crazy die cut pattern on it. I mean, just crazy. Like I don't know if they could do that anymore. Okay, we're getting to the halfway point. 
Here's the 97 Bowman's Best Atomic Refractor. I love the atomic refractors. I think they are super cool. Just the, the printing effects there are just really neat. Then a couple of uh, important base cards, the 97 Metal Universe. Uh, the, the I don't know why. I guess these were out of two different sets, but I don't know why PSA doesn't label them a little bit differently. So here's the, the 97, uh, the version in a PSA 10. The, the, I think it's the, the championship version or something like that. But here's the regular one. This is a PSA 9, another card that, you know, during the documentary, this card spiked from, like, being a about, a, what, a, a two or $300 card up to, like, $1,500. And now it's back down to about five or $600, which is probably where it should be. Um, okay, I've got this Star Power Plus MJ in a PSA 10. I really want the Star Power Supreme, but that's a huge card. So I don't know if I'm ever going to get it. So I have this in the meantime. I've got another atomic, my favorite atomic refractor, the 96 Bowman's Best. I just love the vintagey 70s feel of this card. I love the yellow and the red. I think it's just beautiful. Here's the 96 Ultra Platinum Medallion in a PSA 9. A very rare, tough card, very popular. I'll be honest, I don't love it. A lot of people do with the with the like no board, the full bleed image. Um, I don't love the card. But I bought it early on. It was one of the first Jordans I bought, if not the first one I bought. And um, anyway, it's still pretty cool. 95 Tops Power Boosters. Really neat card. Check out. It's just got some cool printing technologies they used. Here's the 95, uh, 95 Finest Refractor in a PSA 10. Really, I just like the color. They're blue and the green. It looks really nice. One of my favorites is the Stadium Club Warp Speed. This card... I mean, it just, it's just—it's all. I did a little video of it in my Instagram a long time ago. You could dig in there and find it, but really cool card. And then here's the, uh, the hot numbers. I have the Shaquille that I showed a few minutes ago as well. That's a PSA 10 hot numbers. I'm just going to make sure my stack isn't going to fall over. That would be tragic, right? Okay, four cards to go. Probably the four biggest ones I have. So I'll start with, I don't even know which is the biggest of all I do. That one followed by that one, then that one, then one. So... This card gets a lot of love in the hobby. 97 Metal Universe Championship Hardware. This is a PSA 10. There's only like, there's under 20 of these in existence. So it's a very important card. And I love it. I love it because Fleer or Upper Deck, when they did the retros in, in the early 2010s and like 2012, they, they used, they did the Hardware Heroes as an homage. So they put up more of them. One of my all-time favorite cards is the Flare Showcase Hot Shots in a PSA 10. You know, this is another card. I'm glad I got it when I did because sure it's worth well more than that now. Love it. Absolutely love that card. And then my Metal Universe Platinum Portrait PSA 10. Again, this is one of those cards that I broke a record on when I bought it. Probably bought it just over maybe 14 to 16 months ago when I bought it. I It was the most ever paid for it. And now one just sold for about triple what I paid. So I've said it before on the show. I'll say it again, guys. You know, when you see a card you want, don't be afraid to overpay sometimes. Not a lot. Don't go crazy. Don't be stupid about it. But if you need to overpay to get a card that is truly rare and in demand, you know, don't be afraid to overpay a little bit because it's not oftentimes, it's, in my experience, has been it, it, it doesn't take that long for it to catch up to what you paid and then fly by it. So, and I've been doing that for, 15 years and I've never lost. And then probably the, the biggest one I have is the, the Jambalaya and the BGS 9.5. And this is uh, actually a very strong in terms of subgrades, three nine fives and a 10. The 10 is on the cent on the corners, which is 
interesting because there don't seem to be any corners on here, but I'll take it. So this is probably the, the biggest of the Jordans that I that I have. But you know what? The This guy is getting close, real close. So there you go, guys. That is my... That is my complete basketball collection, including the two unopened packs. I think I showed everything. You know, I'm going to show a couple, just two more again. Well, do one more. This card. I love this. Bill Russell in a six, a very, very strong six. So, you know, uh, it's a great checklist in my, obviously, my opinion. They're, they're my cards. Um, I think, uh, and I've, you know, I've kind of curated it very specifically. So over quite some time. Okay. Awesome. So guys, I missed a whole bunch of comments here. So I'm going to run back and see what y'all had to say. And then we will uh, move on to the next segment for the evening. And then we're going to go watch some of the uh, some hockey because the, the Flames and the Jets are playing. And if anyone happens to know the score in the Flames-Jets game right now, please, uh, please tell me. But I'm just going to go back in the comments here. Scott says, hindsight on all these prices is killing many of us. I grew up in Edmonton, was not a Gretzky fan. I am now. So many of his rookie cards ended up in the bike spokes. Yeah, same here, man. Well, not personally. I never did that. I took care of mine, but I know. I, I get it. Just to bug my brother, who's a huge Oiler fan, I get sick thinking about it now. I know. Hindsight's 2020. Even, you know, I've got, I, I, you just saw, I did pretty well buying cards, you know, over a year ago. But I also think to myself, man, you know, if I just would have been stockpiling Kobe's and LeBron's, you know, tops Chrome rookies. Buy a hundred of them, I literally would have parlayed it, you know, into a million dollars. Um, so I don't know. You can't really say lesson learned because I don't know when you're gonna we're gonna have that opportunity again. But in any event, uh, gosh, yeah. If you sold your Shaquille O'Neal rookie, there's two versions of his upper deck rookie, Joe. Uh, there's the one and the one B. I don't really understand the difference, but I have the one, which is the more valuable. And yeah, got super lucky. I mean, I, I thought it was worth a hundred bucks, and next thing you know, it's worth like well more than that. Chris says, Paul Pierce was a bigger player when he was playing one of those guys that is seemingly falling by the wayside. Yeah, it seems that way, that way to me too. Card currency. Uh, I think this is Abdul says, as in, say, Hall of Fame player sets or coming up with creative sets, maybe not ones that would be technically considered sets, but for example, buying every Hall of Fame player drafted by one particular friend. Yeah, I'm all about that. I'm all about that because it's very similar to what the PSA set registry has done. They've created these sets out of all the cards that exist. And I think that's a very um, natural way to collect. You know, you may, you may be a team player, a team collector. You may be a Hall of Fame rookie collector. You may, be a, you may only want to collect cards of everybody who's won the MVP or everyone who's won the scoring championship or whatever it may be. Everyone who's won rookie of the year. I think it's very cool to do that. I do it myself. I mean, that's what it is. It's a custom set that I'm chasing of cards that I think deserve to be in it. Jordan calls me a beast. I've done well along the way, gotten lucky with some, but thank you, Jordan. Billy from Upper Deck says, so what you're saying is if Jeremy's interested in any of your cards, hold on to them. Sick cards, Jeremy. No Pistons. And the Pistons were my team in the 80s. It's the only, that's that's whose TV we got in Winnipeg in the, uh, in the mid-80s there. I do not, Joe, I do not have a bowl bowl. And I'm quite confident in telling you I will never own a bowl bowl. Brian says, important cards. We're proud of Jeremy. Thank you, Brian. And I certainly am proud of them. Yeah, Jordan, uh, Ken Golden will be on on the 19th, three days before uh, the big auction with the Trout Superfractor ends. So be sure everyone to turn into tune into that. Episodes are lined up with guests right into September now, guys. Uh, what did we say to Billy? If you're talking to me completely wrong, I'm working on a project and wanted his insight. <laughs> Fair enough. What vintage rookie card would be my next purchase and modern? Pat, I mean, I, I want a Willie Mays rookie, but 
I don't know how quickly I'm going to jump on one. Modern, um, I, I need a Nathan McKinnon PSA 10 uh, uh, SP Authentic Future Watch autograph. I, I, I don't have one. I, I'm and they're very expensive. Not very. I mean, they're much more than they were when I should have bought it. I should have bought it for like under 300 bucks. Now it's probably closer to a thousand. So there you go. Noise boys. Yeah, Brian, I, I'd love a noise boys as well. Um, I've just never haven't picked one up. The PMGs are beautiful. Yes, they are. Paul says, speaking of owning the card versus searching for the grade, I saw an interview with a guy who owns a PSA authentic Jordan PMG green. Yeah, that is Nat Turner, who was on Josh's Cardboard Chronicles. He's been on at least once. And he talks about owning that card and actually just being happy to own the card and not worrying about the grade of it. Uh, Brian says, sexy PMG, thank you so much. 6MJs, thank you. Billy says, I started watching and was just joking. Okay. The Jambalaya I showed. The MJs are making you drool. They make me drool just looking at them too. Paul says, it's amazing leaps and bounds sports cards technologies took from 89 uh, and 94. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. <laughs> my children will be able to attend university. That's kind of the plan, right? Hopefully they can. Hopefully they don't need my cards to do it. And I can keep my cards past their university. That would be that would be nice for sure. Uh, Al, you're welcome for the feedback on the oh, one nothing Winnipeg. Okay, thank you guys. I do appreciate that. One B was a redemption card. Thank you, Joe. Thank you for that. Shifley out with a leg injury. Come on, you're kidding. He's not out with a leg injury, is he? I'm not. I'm not cheering for the Jets, but I do like Shifley. And the Raptors, 104 to 88. Oh, nice, nice. Okay, guys, awesome. Listen, I'm not going to bother showing my recent mail days because Name is waiting for us in the back room. So we're going to bring out Name right away. Name, get ready, guys. So we're going to bring out Name, guys. Name Cardinal is a gentleman. Before I bring him on, I'm just going to let you guys know. He is um, a collector who has built up a really important collection of rookie cards of all the indigenous players who've ever played in the NHL. And I believe his collection is complete. Name is of indigenous uh, background himself. And so it's only fitting that he's collecting them. His website is indigenousrookiecards.com, I believe. And that you can follow him on Instagram at, at indigenous rookies. So, and sorry, at indigenous rookie cards. It's on the ticker there. Let's bring on name. Welcome to sports cards live. You've been a faithful viewer for a long time uh so but it's great and thank you for coming on last minute it's great to have you how are you doing man i'm doing well uh sorry i missed you in Kelowna this week and thanks for having me on the show hey man you're welcome and as am i it was we i try i wanted to come meet you at player's choice there uh during the day but you know with, with kids you know how tough that can oh, yeah. be so yeah. um so uh name before we jump in i just want to address a few of these comments that have just sort of uh come in oh minnesota pittsburgh's in overtime awesome um, so sorry name let's hang out there right there for a minute uh, I just want to see Jay Go says speaking of weird sets I need the 102 titanium yep those are tough do you buy most of your cards raw and submit I, I do a bit of both Adam I do a bit of both uh, yes he's out may have cut a kachuk skate oi okay okay and yes name it is great to see you okay so name like why don't you start us off so you Tell us about your project. Tell us because I know that you know you you've been doing this for a long time, but you recently launched your website. Um, as you explained, uh, you may be going through a bit of uh, changing a few things around right now. But what? Uh, tell us about the project. Why it's important to you, and uh, how you got it started. So I've been collecting well this particular project since uh, 2014. I I just got started. Um, I guess in the middle of summer 2014, I I don't know. I guess I was kind of just 
tired of doing the regular collecting, opening, you know, ripping uh, boxes, packs, all that kind of stuff. And um, I wasn't even really enjoying player collecting that much anymore. So I wanted to, I wanted to do something in the hobby that was really meaningful to me and something that I could, I could uh, share with my family, share with other people who, um, you know, might see it as an educational piece and, you know, might really enjoy the collection. So um, it's been six years now. It's been like really enjoyable. I got to meet a lot of wonderful people. I've had a lot of amazing opportunities because of it. And it's just brought a lot of joy into my life. Like it's, you know, it's, it's opened a lot of doors for me um, within the hobby. Um, but also just relationship wise, uh, you know, it, it sparks a lot of conversation. And through those conversations, I get to know people and, you know, we, we become friends and, you know, I, I'm very fortunate that, you know, I have something like this that I can, you know, take into my everyday life and, you know, bring, you know, bring alongside um, everyone who's involved and who wants to be a part of it. So um, I, you know, I, I've just, I started doing the research online. Um, it's just mostly through Google. And I was fortunate because I found a, a website called nativehockey.com. It's not, it's still online, but it's, it hasn't been operational for probably about three or four years. Um, and that, I, I think I got a, a list of about 60 players off of it. So I had a really good start because of, because of the people who put that together. So thank you, nativehockey.com. I always, you know, try to give them a shout out and, and props because of the work that they put in to, and you know, that got my, got my collection going, got me started on, on this project. And I'm always thankful for that. So I always make sure I mention that and, you know, just going through other, other websites like news articles. Um, those kinds of things just to um, see which players are indigenous, uh, get confirmation that they are. And, um, you know, recently I, I started the website. I think it's been up for about almost two months now. And I probably worked on it for about three or four weeks, um, just putting in hours late at night because um, I, I have kids just like you. So uh, I got to put my family first as my priority. And then, you know, I, um, when my kids would go to bed, I, I would I do work on the website and um, I I wrote bios for every single player and and luckily um, I had probably about um, eighty percent of the bios written and I've I've taken photos of all my cards um, with my iPhone and I was just able to upload them onto the website so that really helped cut the time down um, over the last year and a half I've been writing bios for my Instagram page and i i kept everything on a word document so it's like it's probably about 40 pages long of of uh writing that i put together on on these bios um that shares the information of all these players and um i do have references for all the information that i i put out there and it, it's been a lot of work but it's been something that's been really enjoyable for me because um, I, I'm just like you and everyone else watching this show. Like I, I love the hobby. I love collecting sports cards. Um, I love the relationships that are built because of sports cards. You go to a card show, you hang out with people, you talk about the cards, you talk about sports like that, that right there, just, you know, that brings connections for you. And that, I really love that about, about the hobby and, and what the, the collection has done for me. Is the website indigenousrookiecards.com? It's actually indigenousrookiecard.com. Okay. Yeah. I'm just gonna uh, I'm just gonna add that here to the to the ticker at the bottom so that people if they want to check it out they can go there 
and uh, and take a look at the website. So I have I have lots of questions actually uh, based on what you just explained. So I mean you uh, so there it is, guys. Now you can see the website at the bottom, IndigenousRookieCard.com. Check it out. I've been saying for a long time. You know I think it's really important what you're doing, um, bringing attention to your heritage, to uh, Canada's heritage, to um, to this group of players who are you know, somewhat not known for their background, I would say. Not, you know, Gino Ojik, of course, was known for being an Indigenous player. Uh, but so many aren't. Brian Trottier, you wouldn't know. I didn't know he came from an Indigenous uh, background. So I've always thought it's really important, especially what's going on in the world right now with all the, you know, the, the Black Lives Matter movement and and anything to do with, with uh you know, racism is just a, a horrible thing. And so I think it's really awesome what you're doing and that you're bringing the attention to it. Um, so first of all, kudos and congratulations on that. I, I, I really do respect that. I can't say enough about it. Um, but I'm curious, so like how many Indigenous players have played in the NHL and how many had cards and how many cards, uh, unique player cards do you have in the collection? So I have unique, uh, 89 unique cards, uh, 89 different players. Um, I recently just found out, found out about two more and I had that confirmed. So I have two more on the way coming in the mail, but there's about, I think there's six who don't have any cards made from any kind of league that they've been in. So, I mean, roughly 97 that I know of. And, you know, like I always say, I'm, I'm always looking for more. I'm looking to add to my collection. And so I'm always keeping like kind of my ears open and, you know, people reach out to me. Um, I make sure I do my homework and, and look up uh, these players online. I reach out to the appropriate people to get confirmation that they are Indigenous before they, they come into my collection. That's great. So the other thing I think is really interesting is that, you know, you've you you built this website. And to me, it's almost like a museum. You know, you're building this thing for posterity to to really showcase and to bring attention to the to these players, to your to the culture, to the history you're also a teacher, if I understand correctly. Yeah, I am a teacher. Yeah, so I mean, like, you're an educator. So it all fits to me. This all reconciles nice and easy in my mind. Do you do you bring it into the classroom? Is it part, have you, have you, have you kind of made your students aware of it? Is this something that the school system is aware of? Um, speak to that and then, I'll, then I'm gonna ask you another one. Well, I've uh, recently moved into an administrator role, so I haven't, been teaching lately, but in the past, I, I have brought it into the classroom. Um, I was teaching an Aboriginal Studies 30 course for quite some time, and the last year I was teaching it, I brought the, the collection in because I wanted the, the students in my classroom to look up Indigenous role models, and they could come from anywhere. So they could come from sports, they could come from entertainment, they could come from politics, they could come from the professional world. They could come from their communities. Maybe there's someone they look up to who is, uh, um, I guess, like a kind of a cultural role model for them. And I wanted to include that. And, you know, I just wanted to bring some positivity into uh, into the classroom for, for our students. Um, just because, you know, I, I know from experience and when I grew up, like Indigenous people haven't always been looked at in the most positive light historically. Um, and... You know, there's a lot of people out there doing really good work, especially in education, who are trying to change that and just give people the right um, information and education on, you know, impact of Indigenous um, ways of knowing, culture in this world, 
Um, and, you know, that, that impact comes everywhere. And, you know, you see it especially in hockey because of the amount of Indigenous players that are in there. So, you know, I, I, I try to, I try to um, include what their Indigenous ancestry is. Like, I'm, I'm Cree myself. I'm from Tall Cree First Nation. Um, it's in northern Alberta. It's, it's about eight hours, seven and a half, eight hours north of Edmonton. And, you know, when I'm talking about the players, I, I try my best to include where they're from, where their families are from. Um, maybe it's someone who is like maybe their mom or dad or, you know, one of their grandparents who's from an Indigenous community. And I try and include that because for Indigenous people, when we introduce ourselves, we always we always tell people where we come from. That's, you know, that that's kind of an opening line. Like, I you know, I always say, like, I'm named Cardinal. I'm from Tall Creek First Nation. And that way people know where I'm from, they know what my background is, you know, if maybe they've been there before, maybe they haven't, but, you know, it kind of gives an idea of what people's uh, lived experiences are and what their connections are to culture. So um, I try to include a lot of a lot of things like that when I'm when I'm talking about my collection. Cool. I really liked when you said the part about um, trying to, you know, help the students find uh, Indigenous role models. And then you went on to talk about it can come from any any uh, area, it doesn't have to be sport. Do you have any plans to expand your website or, and I, it's almost, again, I think of it as a museum now, but do you have, because it's so informational, it's visual, there's information, it's educational. Do you have any plans to expand the scope past just hockey players? I mean, possibly. Um, right now it's, I'm just keeping a hockey, uh, the hockey cards because, um, you know, I'll see how much time I have in the future. We just had a new baby a month and a half ago. So um, we're, our hands are pretty tied. And uh, I, I don't have enough, as much time as I did to uh, to work on the website, like even late at night. Um, but we'll see. Like, there's a lot of things that I've been thinking about, including in the website. And, you know, that that could be one of them because this could become a place where you come and, you know, you see people who are out there. You know, you might not know they're Indigenous and they're doing, like, really amazing positive things with their life. And, uh, you know, I think that's important to share. I, th I think you're just on the start of something here. I think you got you got a great thing going with it. And I see a lot, I mean, just lots of potential for the educational uh, aspect of it and the, the documenting it and really bringing the history to the forefront. And, and really, I mean, if, if, if I'm a teacher in another school across the country, I think I'm going to use this as a tool to educate. I'm not talking about Indigenous students. I mean, all students about the history of, of of Canada, the history of the indigenous people, even if you know, it doesn't even matter really where you're from. I just think it's super uh, interesting and, and so important. And it's all, the timing of it is good too, you know, just with where things are at in the world right now, I think your timing is bang on. So um, the other question I kind of had was, and more of a, a comment and a question, but you know, you've, you've been in the news because of this collection, you've been on CBC, which is the, the you know, if you're for any of the American viewers, it's the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. It's like our national, television station uh you know everyone watches cbc news you've been on that you've been featured by upper deck you've been featured a few times um what what you know have you enjoyed those experiences and in a way i, I, would, I would almost think that those are kind of the validation that what you're doing is is actually the word is spreading you're it's getting out there like how does that feel as the guy who's doing this and and related to it have you had any recognition in your in the indigenous community for what you're doing well, um, I guess it, it's it's been uh, pretty amazing. Um, I you know I had no idea that you know my hockey card would my hockey cards would be on the news. Like I I had no idea it would ever get that far. But 
you know, it's been an awesome experience. Um, you know, it's been really humbling to know that people care about my hockey cards and this, like the history that I'm sharing that much. Um, so it, it's been, it's been really awesome. Like that's all I can say about it. And um, I, I'm just hoping that, you know, this is opening, um, I guess, kind of people's eyes and ears about, you know, the impact that Indigenous people do have in all of different parts of our lives. And um, I, I, I love that it's it's been in the news and that people get to see it that way. And, um, you know, I wanted to make my website to, to continue on with that because, like, to be honest, like, back in 2017 when it was on the news um, in one of the articles, I mentioned that I wanted to do a website. But at the time I was working on a master's degree, I had two kids, no time to do a do a website so i wanted to make sure that i followed through with that and and what i said and um you know it's it's been awesome people have been reaching out to me um since it's been on the news since my website has been out there and i i, I receive a lot of kind words a lot of really positive words about how you know moms and dads are going to share this with their kids because they think their kids should see this and just the scope of the amount of players that you know, indigenous players that have been in the NHL, it's it's pretty awesome to see. Like, you don't really think about it. Like, my cards are stacked in a pile. and put some, They're put away in a box. Um, you don't get to see that scope until they're spread out on, on, on a table, and the table's full. Like, that, that's pretty awesome to me. Yeah. No, for sure, man. It It's so awesome. And the fact that, you know, parents want to show it to their kids, I mean – I think, you know, for the Indigenous community, what a great resource of confidence it is, too, to say, hey, look, these guys all made it. And you can, too. You know, it's I think I, I can see it being a, a source of pride for the for for all the different nations. And um, and I don't understand. I admit I don't understand how the different I don't know what you call the different um, communities or or. Um, you know, you said you're Cree. I think I think I've heard you say there's three different sort of groups of indigenous people in Canada. Is that correct? Um, actually, there's there's a lot more. Well, I guess there's First Nations, Métis, and Inuit indigenous okay. people. That's kind of indigenous people. Indigenous is kind of a, it's used as an umbrella term, okay. and it, it includes First Nations, Métis, and Inuit peoples. So anyone from those backgrounds, I've I've uh, included in my collection. Yeah, perfect. So, I mean, it doesn't matter which one of those backgrounds you come from. This yep. is an important resource for you. Should be a part of the curriculum in school, I would think, just to give these young kids this this uh, this extra um, confidence, this extra um, you know ambition, something to strive for, not just to be a hockey player, but to to make something of yourself and to to you know get out there and that kind of thing. So, it's awesome what you're doing, man. Um, I. I just admire it so much or have so much respect for it. Um, so you obviously, this, you said you started this more recently. Have you been collecting cards your whole life? Well, I, I started collecting in 1989. So the 18, um, 89, 90 Obichi uh, with the Theo Fleury rookie, Joe Sackett rookie, Brian Leach. Um, that was the year I came into collecting. Um, the, the first time I, I remember seeing hockey cards was the year before that I was, you know, it, it was the 88, uh, 89 season. Um, I was at my cousin's house. The, the thumbtack, the The first time I ever seen them, I was at my cousin's house and we were, we were visiting there and they opened up their, 
their dresser drawer and they pulled out their hockey cards. They're older than me, four or five years older. They pulled out their hockey cards and it was in the photo album. So in those days, there weren't any sleeves, as far as I knew anyway. So it was an actual photo album where cards were kept. And they pulled them out and they opened up the photo album and I, I thought I thought they were the coolest thing ever. So I wanted to collect and my, my older brother uh, and my older cousin who lived with us, they were both collectors. And and um, they kind of like, they got my foot into, into the door of collecting. So I collected from then until about 94. Most of my brothers were out of collecting. And then I, I went out of collecting until 2004, right at the end of the 2003 04 season. And that's when I got back in. I was on the Beckett boards. I was on, I joined Hobby Insider and, you know, and been collecting well, mostly since then. I had a couple uh, breaks in between. But you're, you're basically a lifer from the sounds of it. So you collect, you obviously collect hockey. So aside from the Indigenous rookie card project, do you collect other hockey cards and do you collect any other sports at all? Uh, well, I I open uh, the odd box here and there, um, just just for fun. Uh, I get a lot of boxes for for gifts, which I don't mind. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, I do collect basketball as well. Back in uh, 2005, 06, and 06, 07, I was collecting basketball almost exclusively and full time. But I was living in Edmonton, and it was really it was really difficult for me to get into it because there um, there weren't really many collectors locally so if i wanted to go to a card show nobody would buy no one would come trade with me and it kind of got me discouraged a bit so i just put my basketball cards aside and then um within the last year um i got back into collecting basketball um probably like a lot of other people just because of the explosion but yeah. uh, i'm also a basketball fan like i i played basketball competitively i i played college basketball for a year um you know, I go to tournaments all the time. I still play today. I uh, play in the old man's league now, but uh, I still you're, play. You're so and, old. Yeah. And uh, I I watch, you know, I, I love college basketball. I love college basketball more than I love the NBA. So I always, you know, watch the players who are coming up. And, you know, once they get to the NBA, I know what schools they went to and stuff. And that should give you some really good insights into buying NBA cards, especially with what's going on now and maybe yeah. finding a – a guy who's not exactly selling for Zion Williamson type of type of price points and maybe, you know, have a bit of an edge there stockpile some guy and hope that his Panini prism card, you know, yeah. goes up 10 times in value uh, by the time he steps on the court. So I uh, just going to say hello to Brett. Brett says, good evening, late to the game, but better late than never excited for the conversation. And I'm going to mention one thing about Brett here. Cause I know that. Uh, so another thing you did was at the summit in Edmonton a couple years ago, Marcel, who runs that show, uh, put you in a booth and basically said, hey, I want you to come and display your, your collection of Indigenous rookie cards. I think it would be a great sort of museum type of, of booth. And you did that. And I believe, did Brett help you out at all? Because I, I remember seeing Brett hanging out at your booth with you, Brett, whose comment is on the screen right now. And so did he help you? Because I know Brett did, con he did show promotional posters for, for me when I did some shows several years ago. He's got a great artistic uh, talent. Did he help you out at all? Yeah, and like... Before I get into that, like I gotta say, Brett is uh, one of the most amazing guys I've met in this hobby. Like he's so giving, and you know, just like he said, he helped you out. So um, he's helped me out a ton um, with my collection. He's, you know, he's had a special interest in it from the start. He actually he made placards for me for my players so that when I display them, it has the the player's name, 
what their indigenous background is and how many games that they played. So he's helped me out a lot that way. And he's also, um, he's also been working on a documentary since then. So he did interview, he did a few interviews at the summit show that year. And, um, he took a lot of, uh, footage of my collection, you know, me walking around talking to people and, you know, he's been really awesome that way. And he and I have always been in, in contact since then. And, you know, we're always texting and, and talking to each other. So, you know, he, he's been so helpful to me and I, I can't thank the guy enough just, you know, for what he's done. And he doesn't ask for anything in return too. I've known Brett for probably 15 years. He's local. We live in the same city. Yeah. We've been going to the same trade night for 15 years at Maple Leaf Sports uh, until he kind of slowed down his trade night. But I've known Brett for a long time. He's been, an, he's been a, a wonderful uh, local collector uh, ever since I met him. So can't uh, argue with that. Brett, stop blushing. It's all, it's all good, buddy. We, we all love you. Okay, let's see what Joe says. Joe says, I've always looked out for Jim Thorpe and, of course, Duke. Kahanamoku, 1933 sports, Kings Olympic swimmer and famous surfer. Acknowledging these athletes and culture is, uh, is huge. Thank you, name. Brett says, names, collection, and the stories within it can absolutely transcend the hobby. People who might not be interested in hockey or collecting could find this collection informative and enjoyable. And yeah, that's for sure. Joe, congrats on your new baby, which is very nice. Yes, congratulations. Which is your fourth child, I believe, correct? My third. Third, third, okay. Yep. Scott says, thank you for bringing more light to Indigenous players. Such an important topic as a fellow teacher principal would love to connect to help share your story. I'm a very, I'm very big on reconciliations with the Downey Wenjack Foundation. That's interesting because so is the company. I, we're a sponsor of the Downey Wenjack Foundation, the company I work for. We actually have a, a reconciliation room. Our boardroom is a Downey Wenjack reconciliation room, uh, which is pretty cool. And Downey being Gore Downey from the Tragically Hip and Wenjack being Cheney, being Cheney Wenjack, who has a story in and of um, yeah. himself. Um, anyway, and this fits perfectly. Thanks again for getting this out there. So important to give our Indigenous students role models, yes as there are many out there for them to see like yourself, 100%. Awesome comment. Uh, Michael says, great representation in name and showcase of cards for Indigenous people. Huge thank you. Brett goes on to say, ahem, Trevor Linden rookie. For, oh, because you <laughs> forgot to mention him. Oh, yeah. 89 okay. set. Trevor Linden is also in that set. Good point, Brett. Uh, Joe says, as Jeremy mentions, our current context presents a, a corollary. A coral I can never say this word. A corollary with baseball and Black Lives Matter and BIPOC agency, Satchel Page, Jackie Robinson, Larry Doby, Kurt Flood, and many others. I don't know what the uh, BIPOC stands for, but I'm sure it's got something to do with, with uh, all these movements going on or the current state of affairs. Thanks, Nam. Thanks, Jeremy. Brack at you guys. Thank you, Brett. So really awesome. Sorry, guys. Can we get an update on the Jets game? If anyone knows the score on the Jets-Flames game, if they could post it up for me, I'd really appreciate it. Um, name, man. I mean, that... Again, I don't know what else to say. Like, it's awesome what you're doing. I think it's super important. I hope that what I hope for you is that every year there's more players that either are coming in the current set, like new rookies coming to the league, um, and that we discover more players that you maybe didn't know were of uh, indigenous descent or what have you. So I think it's really, uh, really, where, how does that fit for you? Where do you see that going? Are you, are you looking every year now to see on the checklist? Do you research all the rookies? See, are, are any of these guys indigenous? Um, is that something that you're doing? And and how are you still kind of researching for, thank you, Jay Ghost. Are you still researching to see if any um, retired players came from the indigenous background? Uh, yes, I am. So I, I, I actively 
search all the time. Um, I, I try to pay attention to media, like uh, at the major junior level, like especially the dubs since I'm in Western Canada, um, try to see who's coming up there. And, you know, I, I try to research on, you know, if anybody's been retired. And even since my card collection has, you know, gone into the media, um, it's, you know, it's grown quite a bit since then because, you know, I've had people reach out to me. You know, I've, I've been re doing research on the Internet and just coming across different players and, um, and just, you know, things like that. So um, it's, it's always growing. And, you know, just like you said, like I want this to grow every single year. So I am constantly, you know, keeping my eyes open my, and my ears as well to, to watch out for new players. Yeah, and you want it to grow because number one, you want to you want to increase the, the the just the quantity of players in this database, in this museum, in this website. But you also want to collect. You're a collector, so you want you want you need some you need something to chase. This goes back to way earlier in the episode when when someone asked, you know, what do you think of kind of curating your own set and not just collecting a set that say a card company puts out, but making your own set. And this is a, a perfect example of you building your own checklist and then picking them off card by card. You know, I think it's a, it's just one more, one other unique approach to the hobby. Something that's always interested me at, when I go to card shows and talking to other collectors is finding out how do they approach the hobby? What do you collect? I, I know how I approach it. I do what's right for me, but everyone does what's right for them. And it's always interesting to see how people approach it. So your approach is so multifaceted in terms of the, the it not only brings you your, your, satisfaction that that us that we as collectors need by acquiring these things and checking off our checklist but you're also you're documenting history you're educating your um your your instilling confidence in young people like it's awesome man it's awesome mic drop i don't know what else to say it's, thank you uh, i appreciate that yeah and sure. it's you know it's it's funny you say that and like that was my message the whole time that I want young people to be able to look at this and see themselves in the players. And, you know, fortunately this past week I was, uh, I was talking to a friend, um, his name's, uh, um, Wilton Littlechild and he's uh, a former grand chief of, of treaty six. He's also a lawyer. He's been very involved in uh, truth and reconciliation, uh, commission. And, you know, talking with him, we always talk about Indigenous players because he's a former hockey player himself. He played for the University of Alberta Golden Bears. And, you know, he's been very, very involved in the sports world. And he said to me, he said, you never know the impact that an idea is going to have on a young person. So right. you, you never know what the things that you're doing. You don't know how they're impacting people and, you know, until they come and tell you. But, so, know, but know that they are, man, because, you know, even if you even if you give one one person some confidence, some um, motivation, some ambition, whatever it is, you've you've changed the world for the better. So you know what? I, I'm certain that's happening. I'm certain it's happened. So you've you've already you've already changed the world, man. It's going to continue to. It's uh it's certainly amazing. Let's bring up Brett. Has a great question for you. He wants to know: Have you ever been able to touch base with some of the players because you're doing this collection? Uh, yes, I have. Um, I, I had Reggie Leach reach out to me before. Um, he and I talked on the phone. He, he was gracious enough to send me his, his phone number. Um, we talked on the phone for about 15 minutes, had a good conversation, text back and forth for a little while. And, you know, he actually did invite me out to, um, 
one of his his hockey games. So he has a traveling Indigenous team that goes around the country, and it's all Indigenous NHL alumni. He's oh. put a team together of legends, and they go around and they play against like local community all stars, and the whole community comes out, and it, it's a big, you know, a big thrill for everybody because you know you're from a small community, you want to see these these legends that you've been watching your whole life and play against the, the people from your town, which is, you know, a great experience for everybody. And he invited me out to come and, you know, meet the guys on his team and, and come in back into the dressing room and talk to the guys and, you know, hear some of the stories, but I never actually got the opportunity to do that because at the time, like I said, I was working on my master's degree. I had two babies. Yeah. And, um, and another thing was like, it was, you know, near the end of the season and a lot of his his games were out of province for me so i never got the chance to do that who are some, um, tell me name who are some of the the legends on that team uh trevor kidd blair Achenum, um cody mccormick uh jason simon I'm trying to think of who else i've seen there last who are the most who are the most successful indigenous NHL players of all time in your in you know in your in your opinion I would say Brian Trache is the probably the goat Hall of Famer four time yeah. Stanley Cup champion yeah um like 1500 almost 1500 points in the NHL Theo Fleury you know um Carey Price is up there he's still a current player oh, sure he's yeah still up there uh you know just guys like that like um who else would I say uh, George Armstrong, multiple Stanley Cups. Uh, Jordan Nolan won a couple Stanley Cups as well. You know, there's a lot of guys who have been really impactful on on hockey, and you know, their their ancestry isn't always acknowledged or even known. Even known. Well, that's what I think is awesome. What you're doing is that you know, a lot of these players, most people don't even recognize or or, or they just don't know come from that background. So, you know. Uh, that's just it's just really cool man really cool well, you know congratulations on it congratulations on what you're doing congratulations on your new baby your family um your new administrative position you know everything man it's it's great uh how are you enjoying Kelowna are you happy being there now is it a good a good place it's for you hot. and your family it's hot here man like I, was yeah, today. I, know. I, just, I just left a few days ago actually so yeah. I know I know yeah yeah, yeah. I, um it's gorgeous here like the outdoors are so accessible I mean, yeah. I, I miss Edmonton a lot. Like, I had a really strong community there, especially in the Indigenous community. I lived there for 18 years, and, you know, it was, uh, it, was a, it was a tough choice to make. But, you know, my this is – being here, it's easier for my wife to uh, stay connected with her family because they're from, they're from BC. They just live out in Maple Ridge. So, oh, you, know, we, we, you know, it's just a short drive away. We can go out there over, on the weekends and – you know, it's not a full day trip anymore. Yeah. And, you know, awesome, it, it's just been a lot of a lot of good coming out of it that way. And, you know, I, I just want to give a shout out to uh, Players Choice Collectibles because uh, Jason and Katie have been, you know, so wonderful in, in welcoming, welcoming me to Kelowna. And, you know, they've helped my transition a lot here. And just having a little bit of a community during COVID, you know, has been really, really helpful for me because it's it's been tough, you know. We moved away from all of our supports and, you know, all of our friends and um, having a, like the few people we can have in the community. That's, you know, that that's been so helpful to us. Well, good for good for Jason and Katie. They are great people. That's uh, for everybody watching. That's those are the that's the card shop that I did the live show out of back on Saturday. Players Choice in Kelowna. Uh, great people there. Great shop. 
check them out. They do. They just launched their YouTube channel. I think it's just called Players Choice Cards, maybe. Um, but you can even check the video that we did uh, back in on the on on the Sports Cards Live YouTube channel for that information. Uh, Paul does correct me that I forgot about his time in Pittsburgh. Paul, yes, his two cups there. He's a six-time Stanley Cup champ. So. If there's no, uh, yeah, go ahead. Name. He's actually one. One is an assistant coach too, so he's okay. got seven rings. <laughs> seven rings, six as a player. That is awesome. That is awesome. So, okay, name. Well, listen, I want to. Hey, man, thank you for uh, for joining on such uh, short notice. I really just asked you, like, I don't know, noon today or something like that. So, and I do want to thank. Uh, it was Ryan Rajmuli and Billy Sealing who actually recommended that I should bring somebody on tonight, and uh, you were recommended first, and. You've obviously been on my mind as someone to bring on at, at some point. So this just kind of, you know, accelerated that. So um, thank you for being available. Thank you for making the time. Thank you for everything that you're doing. And um, listen, guys, I think that might wrap up this episode. Um, I, I, you know, I, we could do some quick general Q&A if anyone has any more questions, but I, there's nothing else rolling in right now in the comments. So if there's nothing else, um, I'm going to go watch the, uh, the Jets and the Flames play and I'm cheering for the Flames and, uh, that's about it guys. We can say our good night. So name, thank you again so much. We'll be thank in touch. You. We'll see you and guys follow name on Instagram. You can check out his website, indigenous And, uh, Legion gives us a round of applause. Thank you so much. Legion as always great, great, uh, viewer, subscriber. Appreciate it. So, that's it, guys. We're going to see you guys again on Wednesday with uh, Jeremy Murray, who is the VP of grading for Beckett Authentication. That is going to be quite an episode because of all that's going on there. So we're going to have a lot of uh, good information out of right straight from Beckett. I'll just go through the upcoming guests and then we'll sign off name. On August the 8th, we have Brian Gray from Leaf coming back to do a kind of an update on the state of the hobby. Let's see what he's up to in terms of what he's buying because he loves to buy cards. Um, August 12th, the buyer of the Sidney Crosby Cup RPA BGS 10 for $125,000 will be joining. We'll announce his name shortly. August 15th, Greg Cohn, product manager for Leaf Trading Cards. August 19th, Ken Golden of Golden Auctions will be joining. That's three days before his big auction ends. We'll have him on to talk about what's happening in the Trout Superfractor. On August 22nd, Tony Siriani, product manager for Upper Deck. On August 26th, Rich Klein, longtime hobby veteran, writer, um, someone who knows has a ton of experience and industry knowledge. That'll be a very interesting episode. Then on September 2nd, Justin and Adam Urschel. These guys are super collectors of Upper Deck, the Cup Monumental patches, and they're collectors as brothers. So we're going to have a really interesting episode about that. September 9th, Stephen LaRoche, former Beckett hockey editor, former employee of In the Game, has written card backs for In the Game and Beckett. Really interesting background. And then on September 16th, we got Dustin, the personal finance dad, will be joining. Check out his YouTube channel. Okay, that's it, guys. Everybody, have a great rest of the evening. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for uh, getting past no episode last Wednesday. Thanks to Paul for the awesome meme, which I love. Guys, good night. Name, wait right there. Good night, everybody. Oh, wait, hold on. Before we do that. Final comments. Great show as always. Shifley's legs shouldn't bend that way. Oh, no. Joe says, wonderful show. Enjoy your evening. You too, Joe. Brett, good night. Eric, thank you. All right, guys. Good night, everybody. Seeking the truth never gets old. 
Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.